From NPR and WNYC, recorded live from the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, at the 2013 World Science Festival, this is Ask Me Another. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, your host for an hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Now, we know we're a nerdy show, but we're turning up the Bunsen burners this episode. We have quizzes that are all about the value of X, chemicals, and rock and roll. So strap on your safety goggles and let's welcome the man who defies the laws of physics, Jonathan Colton. Hello? Actually, it's just, uh, it's just I have less momentum than anything else. I'm easily stopped. That's the only law of physics that I kind of reject. You sort of drag to a, a stop. I drag That's to a stop it. pretty easily. Stop. And joining us to help explain the games we're playing and offer a hint or two is our puzzle guru, John Chinesky. Hello, scientists. Hello, world science people. All of the contestants playing this hour are here because they have science and math on the brain and have found some pretty interesting ways to use these concepts in their everyday lives. So let's welcome our first two brave contestants, Avidan Ackerson and Susanna Locke. Avidan, you're a software engineer, and you consider yourself a scientific baker. That is correct. What does that mean? It means that wherever possible, I try to conduct experiments in my kitchen, then inflict the results upon my friends. <laughs> okay, what is a, a recent concoction? Uh, let's see. I did a one recently about uh, milk substitution, where I made uh, 48 different muffins, uh, three batches with different substitutes, and one with milk, and then asked my friends to rate which one was better and which they thought was actually milk. Okay. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a really fun party. That, <laughs> that was a Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm happy you still have friends. Susanna, you write for Popular Science, and you are a world expert on robots, lasers, and poop. <laughs> How do these things relate? Um, I have, for some reason or another, stumbled upon more and more stories about people using poop for creative means as we're trying to be more eco-conscious and um, <laughs> get energy out of renewable resources. Yes. Waste is a wonderful source of energy. So if you can take any kind of waste, and I've seen it many, many inventors and uh, humanitarians trying to take waste, human waste, other waste, as long as you can dry it and burn it, You've got energy. <laughs> Thank you, Susanna. And our first game is called Breaking It Down. Jonathan? Yes, this game is inspired by the TV show Breaking Bad, which, if you haven't seen it, is the heartwarming tale of a high school chemistry teacher who uses his skills to become a successful entrepreneur. The show's opening credits use symbols from the periodic table of elements to spell out the BR and BA in the title, bromium and barium. So in this quiz, every answer is spelled out by combining two symbols from the periodic table. John Chinesky, would you give us an example? Sure. If I combine sodium, which has the symbol NA, and phosphorus, which is P, I get the word NAP, nap, which is what I will take right after the show. The winner of this round will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Here we go. Combine neon and oxygen and, whoa, you get this character from the Matrix films. Susanna. Neo. Neo is right. That's the N-E from neon and the O from oxygen. Combine sulfur and helium 
to get a feminine third person singular personal pronoun. Avadon. She. She is right. Uh, uh, you are right. <laughs> she is right. It's confusing. Sulfur and helium. That is a, uh, that's a blonde with a very high voice, yes? That's, that's right. <laughs> Combine arsenic and phosphorus to get this creature that supposedly killed Cleopatra. Avadon. Asp. Asp is right. A-S for arsenic and P for phosphorus. Combine copper and boron to get an adorable baby tiger. Susanna. Cub. Cub, you got it. <laughs> copper, C-U for some reason. It's before they knew how to spell it. Yeah, they didn't That's know what why. they were talking about. <laughs> it was the olden days. <laughs> the olden days. They didn't know how to spell anything. Combine xenon and sodium to get a character played by Lucy Lawless. <laughs> Susanna. Xena. Xena. <laughs> Combine francium and gold to get an adult German woman. Avedon. Frau? Frau, that's right. <laughs> Combine cobalt and tungsten to get this animal, which you should not buy if you can get the milk for free. Avedon. Cow? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Again, tungsten, W. Yeah, what's that about? Dumb scientists. <laughs> Do you know why that is, John Chinesky? It used to be Wolfram. Oh, yeah. because oh, it's... Oh, uh, that doesn't yeah. make any sense either. I know. <laughs> Combine argon and potassium to get this face-melting artifact from an Indiana Jones movie. Avadon. Ark. Ark, you got it. Combine actinium and einsteinium to get some playing cards that are a pretty good hand in poker. Avadon. Aces? That's right. <laughs> actinium and einsteinium, two imaginary elements. <laughs> All right, this is your last clue. Combine bromine and astatine to get this term for a child whose army parents are constantly moving. Avadon. Brat. Brat, you got it. John Chinesky, will you tell us what happened in that game? Avadon ran away with that one. Nice work, Avadon. You're going into our final round. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Susanna. Jonathan, can you play us a little something uh, elemental? I shall, I shall. Particle man, particle man, doing the things a particle can. What's he like? It's not important. Particle man, is he a dot or is he a speck? When he's underwater, does he get wet? Does the water get him instead? Nobody knows. Particle man. Jonathan Colton. And we've got our next two contestants, Aaron Barker and Ben Lilly. Aaron and Ben, you host a science-related storytelling show called The Story Collider. What is your background in science, Ben? I have a PhD in high-energy particle theory. All right, I'm not here to hear you brag. Mm -hmm. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, I studied how you might find extra dimensions at the Large Hadron Collider. If they happen to exist, you could maybe find them there. It would be fun. They probably don't, so it was maybe a waste of time. But, um, but it was fun. I had a good time. Erin, what is your science background? Um, I have a bachelor's degree in journalism. <laughs> So we'll see who wins this. <laughs> yes. So you are also versed in fudging results. So. <laughs> Our next game is called Generically Speaking. And in this round, we're going to quiz you about trademark names that everyone uses to describe a particular product. I'll give you the generic name or description, and you have to tell me the specific trademarked name that commonly describes it. Let's turn to John Chinesky, our puzzle guru, for an example. If the clue was adhesive bandage, you would say Band-Aid, which is a trademark of Johnson & Johnson. All I need is the trademarked name. Gelatin dessert. Aaron. Jello. Jello, exactly. <laughs> Best instructions of all time on how to make jello when you read the package. You know that, Ben? You are nodding. Chill until firm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absorbent facial tissue. Ben. Kleenex. Correct. Reusable, resealable plastic storage bags. Ziploc. Aaron, yes. <laughs> Toy flying saucer for toss games. Aaron. Frisbee. Frisbee. Cellular cushioning packaging material containing entrapped air or other gases. Aaron. Bubble wrap. Yes. There's nothing more frightening than finding out that bubble wrap contains other gases. (laughs) Makes that popping game really competitive. You're rolling the dice. Surface coverings of man-made grass. Ben. AstroTurf. There, you got it. AstroTurf. Weapon delivering electrical current through muscle. Aaron. Taser. Yes. (laughs) Which, of course, also gave us the quote, don't tase me, bro. Yes. Don't deliver an electrical current through muscle, bro. Yeah. Doesn't roll off the top. That didn't catch on. <laughs> no. Masses of multicellular expanded synthetic resinous material. This can also be used as a packing, something for packing stereos or computers. Ben. Styrofoam. Yeah, you got that one. This is your last clue infant bodysuits. Extra clue, I'm wearing one. (laughs) Aaron. Oh, onesie? Yes, onesie. John Chinesky, how did our fine contestants Well, generically speaking, our winner is the human female known as Aaron. Congratulations. A wonderful competition. Aaron, you'll be moving on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. (laughs) 
Coming up, we've got a real Einstein in the house. Our VIP, that's very important puzzler, is the professor of applied mathematics at Cornell University, Stephen Strogatz. In his book, The Joy of X, Stephen proves that math can indeed be very sexy. So stick around. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another. You're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg. Because we're recording live from the 2013 World Science Festival, we're putting the left side of our brains in touch with the right side. We'll test your knowledge of the real housewives of ancient Greece. Plus, we'll put author of The Joy of X, mathematician Stephen Strogatz, in the puzzle hot seat. But right now, let's welcome our next two contestants, Jeannie Garbarino and Diane Firstman. We have two very impressive women here, both science buffs. Uh, Jeannie, you work in health science? Yeah, I'm the director of science outreach at the Rockefeller University. (laughs) Diane, you're a data analyst at the New York City Department of Corrections? Yes, I am. What does that even mean? We analyze population trends in correctional facilities on Rikers Island and throughout the city. Wow. So we've got some cool, smart science women. And before we start our quiz, I want to ask you this. What is your special talent, your quality, your X factor that you're bringing to this game that is going to give you the edge? Diane. Um, I'm a really good Scrabble player. All right. That's good. Yep. Jeannie. I'm hoping those uh, years of playing Sudoku on the train is going to help me give the edge. (laughs) I don't know. You never know. Those counting in sequence could work out. (laughs) This game is called Algebraic Music. Jonathan, this game sounds like it might be formulaic. (laughs) Yes. It is a game without equal. It's a real plus. In this game, I'm going to play songs that feature a number in the title. The catch is that I'm going to replace that number with an algebraic expression. (laughs) Jeannie just turned away from the microphone and swore under her breath. To win the point, you'll have to solve for X to make the mathematical expression in the song correct. So we're not looking for the original number. We're looking for the value of X. For... Yeah, math is fun, everybody. For example, if I said, as Jay-Z does, um... I've got X times nine problems, you would say that X equals 11 because Jay-Z had 99 problems... And 11 times 9 equals 99. Uh, Of course, I will be singing these mathematical expressions because that's sort of my thang. The winner of this round will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Are you ready or would you like to give up? Here we go. I got my first real six string Bought it at the five and dime Played it till my fingers bled Was the summer of X plus five Diane X is 64 You got it (laughs) Summer of 69 by Brian Adams 64 plus five equals 69 
when I come home Yeah, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a man Comes back home to you If I grow old Well, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man Who's growing old with you But I would walk X times ten miles And I would walk X times ten more Just to be the man Who walks a thousand miles To fall down at your door Jeannie? 500. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Diane? 50? 50. X times 10 miles. Sorry. I thought it was 5,000. I like that. The guy in your story is walking further. Yeah. (laughs) He's walking 5,000 miles. Yeah. It's amazing. He's got to work at it. He might not be taking a direct route. (laughs) No. <laughs> it takes X plus four to make a thing go right. It takes X plus four to make it out of sight. Hit it! <laughs> Diane? Negative two. That's right, negative two. That's right. We're working both sides of the number line, people. <laughs> X plus four, negative two. Sky was all purple, there were people running everywhere Trying to run from the destruction, you know I didn't even care Say, say, 2000, zero, zero, party over, oops, out of time So tonight I'm gonna party like it's X plus 59 Jeannie. 1940. 1940, you got it. We all play the game when we dare. Cheat ourselves, it's all a tear. Venting lovers on the phone. Repenting other lives unknown. But call and say, come dance with me. And murmur vague obscenities. Ugly girls like me at X plus three. Diane? Fourteen. That's right, fourteen. All right, this is your last clue. If I had X times ten dollars. If I had X times ten dollars. Well, I'd buy you a K-car A nice, reliant automobile If I had X times ten dollars I'd buy your love Is that Jeannie? I think so. 100,000. That's right, 100,000. John Chinesky, how'd they do? Wow, that was some complicated game, but Diane takes it away. Thank you so much, Jeannie. Well done, Diane. We'll see you at the end of the show. If your idea of playing sports is being a mathlete, then you should be on our show, or at least come see it. Send us an email at askmeanother at npr.org, or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook. We'll send you a quiz and see if you are able to leap tall fractions in a single bound. 
For tickets, go to amatickets.org. Joining us now, we have Chella Quint and John Rennie. I'm not going to lie, I am intimidated by these contestants. John is the former editor-in-chief of Scientific American. Chella went to England to study Shakespeare and ended up becoming a citizen. (laughs) So based on that, geniuses, I need to ask you this question. Do you watch any part of the Real Housewives franchise? No. Uh, I have a wife, and so the answer, therefore, is yes. I see almost all of it. Oh. Wait, but I I have a wife, too. Okay. But I don't don't watch that show. Okay. (laughs) This game is called Real Housewives of Greek Mythology. If the fearsome, powerful women of ancient Greek mythology were to walk amongst us today, what would they do? They would appear on a reality show, of course. In this challenge, I will provide an imagined on-camera quote, and you tell us the Greek mythological figure that may have said it. And note, these include goddesses and other female characters. Sounds fun. (laughs) They call me the goddess of love, but don't make me bring on the hate. I was born in seafoam, and I'll drown you in haterade if I have to. John. Aphrodite. Yeah, you got that. Already, the housewives is paying off for you. (laughs) A little bit. Listen, it's no secret my husband Hades isn't the life of the party. (laughs) I've even heard some girls call him dead behind my back. But after spending six months each year in the underworld, I rave like a rock star during my six months above ground. Chella. Persephone? (gasps) Yes, of course. Hey. People underestimate me. I'm not just some farm girl hick who got to Mount Olympus by running the harvest. I control the seasons, too. And if you cross me, you're going to be living in a frosty winter all year long. Chella. Hestia? Mm, I'm sorry. Uh, Demeter. Yes, that is correct. Mother of Persephone. John, well done. My twin brother is into the arts, but I was born for the hunt. Any man who questions my maidenhood will find themselves on the wrong end of my bow and arrow. John. Artemis. That is correct. You kind of said that like a Greek god yourself. You're like, Artemis. (laughs) I I see her as one of the Jersey housewives of Greek (laughs) mythology. Yes. Oprah would call her a toxic friend. That is right. (laughs) You may have heard about my husband's affairs, but all of those trollops kept quiet after I got through with them. Zeus might be the king of the gods, but I make the rules at home. John. Hera. Hera. That is right. I'd just like to say that really a lot of years spent watching Xena warrior princess are actually paying off tremendously well for me now. And believe it or not, I never watched that. It's funny how we, uh, we come to this highbrow stuff from different avenues, right? <laughs> totally. I'm with you. People hear Earth Mother, and they think they can walk all over me. 
but my kids are Cyclops and Titans. So if I can manage them, then take your best shot, ladies. Chella. Gaia. You got that one. Yes. This is your final question. I've got wings, and there's no limit to how high I can fly. These women think they can bring me down. Well, I'm the goddess of victory, so I hope they enjoy the stink of defeat. Cella. Nike. Nike is correct. John Chinesky. Well, contestant that is going to go down in history today is John. Congratulations, John. You won that one. Congratulations, John. That was a tight game. You'll be moving on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Chella. This is called Venus. Got us on the mountaintop. Burning like a silver flame Summit of beauty and love Venus was her name She's got it Yeah, baby, she's got it I'm your Venus I'm your fire at your desire I'm your Venus Fire at your desire. Let's say hello to our next two contestants, Seth Guignols Kupperman and Chris Kerala. <laughs> Seth, you participate in something called Maker Fair. What is Maker Fair? Um, it's a great way to, if you have a lot of passion for kind of building things in your backyard or in your garage, to kind of show them to the outside world and be able to show people the kind of stuff that you uh, habitually entertain people with, I suppose. Okay. You're inventing building things? I honestly just found something online that I was really enthusiastic about showing my students, which is an electric hot dog cooker, which is <laughs> extraordinarily dangerous to make yourself. So I just decided to show them the thing so that they wouldn't have to be tempted to make their own. Okay. Chris, you teach a class at NYU that deals with telephone artistry. Again, I will have to ask, what is that? If painters use a canvas to paint on or, uh, you know, photographers use uh, photography to express themselves, my students use the telephone system to build artistic and creative projects. Okay. Like what? (laughs) One of my students last semester uh, built uh, vibrating underwear that could be controlled with a phone call. Oh, now uh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I actually have a hot dog cooker that's controlled with a phone call. This is going to be fun. This game is called Hollywood Formulas. It seems that every movie coming out of Hollywood is by the numbers, and that's because they are. But in this game, the answer to each question combines a movie title and a term you may have heard in math or geometry class. John Chinesky, let's have an example. In this 2010 animated Disney film, Rapunzel is trapped in a shape with four sides and four right angles. The answer would be rectangled, which is a rectangle masked with the film Tangled. (laughs) So sometimes the mathematical term will be in the front of the film, sometimes it will follow, sometimes it will be a horrible pun, and by sometimes I mean almost always... (laughs) 
So feel free to talk your answer out. Good luck. Lindsay Lohan stars as a pair of identical twins in this 1998 remake of a classic comedy where a quadrilateral realizes it has only two parallel sides. Chris. The parent trapezoid. Exactly. In this 2012 James Bond movie, 007 meets Agent 3.141592. James Bond movie? Piefall? Chris Piefall, yes. <laughs> George Clooney and Ryan Gosling star in this 2011 political drama where they do the opposite of multiplication. Chris. The Divides of March? Yes! <laughs> LeVar Burton stars in this powerful 1977 miniseries made for television where he tries to calculate what number multiplied by itself makes up a larger number. Seth. That's square roots. Square roots. Ben Affleck directed this 2007 movie starring his brother Casey, who plays a Boston detective searching for a closed shape with five sides. Movie with Casey Affleck. Chris. Pentagon Baby Gone? Yes, exactly. Pentagon Baby Gone. This is your last question. In this 1994 sci-fi flick, Jean-Claude Van Damme stars as a police officer from the future who makes sure all numbers can only be divided by one and themselves. Chris. Prime cop. Yes. <laughs> John Chinesky. The winner of that game was Chris. Congratulations, Chris. Nice job. Well done, Chris. Nice work, both of you. Chris, you'll be moving on to our final round at the end of the show. Thank you so much. Stay tuned, we'll talk to our VIP Steven Strogatz about why I should learn how to divide fractions. Plus, we'll see if he's up for a trivia challenge that we've created just for him. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. Welcome back to Ask Me Another, NPR and WNYC's hour of trivia, puzzles, and word games. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and joining me is author and math whiz to say the least, Cornell professor extraordinaire Stephen Strogatz. <laughs> Welcome to Ask Me Another. Thank you very much. I'm thrilled to be here. When did you know you liked math? As a child, were you a math kid? Mm. I did always like math, but I had a, a pivotal moment when there was um, a teacher who mentioned a certain question that he'd been asking for years, and he said he'd never seen any student answer this question. And then he went on to say, I mean, I sat up straight at that point. And how but, old are you? What, what, uh, what maybe are you? 13 or 14. Okay. And then he said, actually, he didn't know how to do the problem. 
Really? Never heard any teacher say something like that before. And what, you want the problem, don't I want you? the problem. I want to know just even the uh, context of the problem. The problem was a problem about triangles, and it, it goes like this. If two angle bisectors of a triangle have the same length, the triangle has to be isosceles. Prove it. I thought, what's so hard about this? I mean, it sounded like other geometry problems, and so I tried thinking about it and couldn't do it. So I started thinking about it every day, including in French class, you know, like (laughs) when the conjugating the verb train is going around the room and it's coming toward me. I'm still thinking about angle bisectors. Same thing with playing basketball. People would pass it to me, bounce off my knee, because I'm I'm off in triangle world. So I I spent maybe six months thinking about this continuously and finally came up with something I thought was a proof. It was a Sunday morning, and I asked him, could I come to your house and show it to you? (laughs) Wow, and he was like, no No (laughs) Well, yeah, he should have But he was a a good teacher I showed up, he was there in his pajamas with his little kids I showed him this proof He checked it line by line He said, it's a proof Wow Thank you so at that point, did you so think... So then I was hooked yeah, because like, I, I started making up questions for myself that I didn't know the answer to just for the fun of getting back into that euphoric feeling of, of being puzzled and wanting to solve it. And you decided to put together this wonderful book, Joy of X, <laughs> where you're talking about real-life math. That refers to joy of cooking. Joy of cooking. Oh, yes. <laughs> I see the wordplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So why do you think math gets such a bad rap? I had one good teacher in high school that helped me. But in general, you know, I just always thought I was not very good at math. Mm, You thought you weren't good at math. And some people feel they're just not good at it. Or they'll say, I don't have a math head. Or they'll say, I was good until, and then they tell you, I got to geometry. Or I was good until I got to word problems in algebra or something. For a lot of people, they hit the wall and then they're discouraged. Other people will tell me, I was good at it the whole time. I just never saw the point of it. Right, and you what know? do you say to those people? What is the point? Well, there's all kinds life? of points. I mean, for me, when people ask, of course, the question is, why do I need to learn math? And it's, it's not really that you need to learn it. Yes, you do. If you're going to be an engineer or a computer scientist, you will actually need it. But, but if you're not in that kind of profession, you don't really need it. But then to me, the question is, like, why do I need to watch Michael Jordan play basketball? Or why do I need to listen to music? You don't really need to, but your life will be richer and, and happier if you do. That makes me care. It does make me care. You are one of the founders of the theories of social networks. Well, let me give credit to the real founder. It's a student. Duncan Watts was my grad student. Oh, okay. He was interested in sort of where physics and math meet social sciences. And so we got to talking. I, I had given him a problem that I was interested in about how things get in sync. And we were specifically interested in how crickets can chirp in unison. Um, now, you might say, who cares about crickets? That's a fair question. <laughs> but, but think about it this way. In your heart, you have special cells that keep your heart beating properly. And those cells, those pacemaker cells, have to be in sync. And it's a lot easier to measure crickets getting in sync than your pacemaker cells. But they might be using the same kind the same, of math and same principles. Right. So anyway, we were busy studying the crickets. And one time, he uh, had a conversation with his dad who said, just offhandedly, do you realize you're only six handshakes from the President of the United States or from anybody else on Earth. This idea of six degrees of separation, which people were talking about at the time in the middle 90s. And um, he asked me, how would everything about synchronization change if the crickets were connected like that, if they were listening in this six degrees 
way, and that was a brand new question. No one knew anything about that. It's like that game people play in college, uh, yes. Six Degrees. The Kevin Bacon the game. The Kevin Bacon game. Yeah, but it turned out that provided really interesting data that allowed us to test some of our theories because the Internet Movie Database, which has all the actors in the history of movies going back to silent movies, it gave us a way to test a lot of what we were thinking about with a real social network, if you like, the Hollywood network. So is it, question one... Are we really all separated yeah, really by six true. degrees? It is true. You know, considering it's seven billion people on Earth, you might think the number would be hundreds or thousands or millions. It's not. It's close to, it's around five or six. Wow. And do you know how many degrees you are separated from Kevin Bacon? Uh, that I do. Well, yeah, but that's easy. <laughs> because I was in a documentary about him. Oh. About the math of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> So that's not a good, that's not a good, I mean, so we could do someone else. one? <laughs> yeah, it's a kind of one. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, that's a little sneak peek uh, as to oh. what we would like you to uh-huh. solve for us coming okay. up. So I, I first need to ask you, are you ready to solve a different kind of problem? Prove a little something different on the Ask Me Another stage. Mm, yes, I am ready. You are ready? Fantastic. How All about right. a hand for our VIP, Steven Strogatz? For this round, let me bring back our one-man house band, Jonathan Colton. Uh And, of course, our puzzle guru, John Chinesky. Thank you. So, Stephen, we just talked about your Kevin Bacon number, that you were one degree of separation from Kevin Bacon. And it turns out that math scholars have their own version of this game through a prolific mathematician named Paul Erdish. In his lifetime, Erdish published more than 1,500 research papers with over 500 different co-authors who all have an Erdish number of one. Of course, it was only a matter of time before someone came up with the Erdish-Bacon number, which is the sum of one's Erdish and Bacon numbers, naturally. So, Stephen, this quiz is about some of the other people who have Erdish-Bacon numbers. Some are actors, some are academics, all are amazing. (laughs) We're going to ask you to identify them based on our clues, and if you get enough right... Anna Byers of Louisville, Kentucky will get a special Ask Me Another prize. Stakes are high. Are you ready? Okay. This actress has a bacon number of two, having starred in Closer with Julia Roberts, who starred in Flatliners with Kevin Bacon. In 2002, as a Harvard undergraduate, she co-authored a paper studying the frontal lobes of infants, giving her an Erdish number of four. Who is Natalie Portman? (laughs) That is correct. It is my job to remind contestants they are not on Jeopardy, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) This British actor got his co-author byline after suggesting a study to determine whether the brain structures of political conservatives were physically different from those of liberals. It turns out they are. (laughs) Now we need a study on the brains of women who've seen him play Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh, I can picture him. Mm -hmm. He's beautiful, isn't he? I can. (laughs) Is he the stuttering king? Yes. uh, Yes, Yes, he is. I'm having a little... 
left hemisphere problem. Let's see, he shares his first uh, name with a former Secretary of State. Oh, oh that's whose good. last name was Powell. Oh, <laughs> good. Thank you, thank you. That would be Colin Firth. Yes. <laughs> thank you. So, I think in math we would call that partial credit. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Alan, ask me another. We call that you don't we get call that things. wrong. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> As an undergraduate at UCLA, actress Danica McKellar co-authored a paper titled Percolation and Gibbs States Multiplicity for Ferromagnetic Ashkin-Tell Models in Z2. I wrote the Z3 one. I don't know what she's talking about. (laughs) She later wrote the book Math Doesn't Suck. But you probably know her as Winnie Cooper on what early 1990s dramedy? The Wonder Years. Yes! Can you quickly just uh, describe to me your take on the percolation and Gibbs states multiplicity for ferromagnetic ash and tell models? Classic. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> it, really does, it really does bring me back, you know? <laughs> it was so different then. This baseball player is often included in Erdős Bacon conversations because he and Erdős autographed a baseball together after receiving honorary degrees from Emory University on the same day. It's not the same thing as writing a paper with him, uh, but if you count co-signing a baseball, Hmm. his Erdős Bacon number would be three. Hmm. The number you might best know him for is 755, the number of home runs this Hall of Fame outfielder hit in his major league career. Hank Aaron. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think, John Tineski? I think that's why we call him the great Strugatsby. <laughs> because he answers so many questions, right? That Anna Byers receives a prize. Congratulations, Stephen. Stephen, you were everything I hoped for to the nth degree. Oh, thank you. Have a round of applause for our VIP, Stephen Strogatz. This is a song called Pie. When ink and pen in hands of men inscribe your form by petal pee, they draw an altar on which God has slaughtered all stability. No eyes could ever soak in all the places you anoint. And yet to see you all at once, we only need the point. Flirting with infinity Your geometric progeny That fit inside you Oh, so tight Triangles that feel so right 3.141592653589793238462643384629749459. Jonathan Colton. Now we're going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back from Breaking It Down, Avidan Ackerson. 
From Generically Speaking, Aaron Barker. From Algebraic Music, Diane Firstman. From Real Housewives, John Rennie. And from Hollywood Formulas, Chris Kerala. I want to ask our puzzle guru, John Chinesky, to take us out and crown a winner. This final round is called, I'm no doctor, but... For most people, it takes at least seven years of higher learning to become a doctor, but these notable people and fictional characters gamed the system by having the initials MD. So contestants, you have to identify these fake doctors. For example, if I said... He's the former Chicago Bears coach with a pack of super fans on SNL. You'd say Mike Ditka. We're playing this spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You'll only have a few seconds to give us an answer. Last person standing is our grand winner. Remember, all of the answers are real people or fictional characters with the initials MD. Here we go. Avidan. This actor played the title role in three Jason Bourne movies. Matt Damon? Yes. Aaron, the actor in the movie Wall Street who said, greed is good. Michael Douglas. Yes. <laughs> Diane, it was the aquatic archenemy of Captain Ahab. Moby Dick. Yes. John, this actor appeared in The Outsiders, Singles, and There's Something About Mary. Ooh. Three seconds. Mike, 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 Mike. No, sorry, no. No? Sorry, John. Step aside for a second. Let's see if Chris can get this one. Chris, the actor who appeared in the Outsiders singles, and there's something about Mary. Three seconds. I'm blanking. Okay, let's see if Avedon knows. Let's see if Aaron knows the answer. Aaron, the actor who appeared in The Outsider Singles, and there's something about Mary. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon is correct. Now, we have to say goodbye to John, Chris, and Avedon. Sorry, guys. But Diane and Aaron are still on the stage. We're down to two. That was fast. Sometimes math is fast. Here we go. <laughs> Diane. He was the Democratic nominee for president in 1988. <laughs> Michael Dukakis. Now is the time for Michael Dukakis. Aaron. What Joan Crawford's daughter sarcastically called her in the title of a 1978 tell-all book. Mommy Dearest. That's right. <laughs> Diane. A popular rapper who now goes by the name Yazim Bey, he starred in the 2005 film The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Moss Def? That is most definitely the right answer. Erin, she's a Pulitzer Prize winning op-ed redhead for the New York Times. Three seconds. Let's see if Diane knows. She's a Pulitzer Prize winning op-ed redhead for the New York Times. Maureen Dow. Maureen Dow is correct. Erin, thank you for playing. And Diane is our winner.
Congratulations, Diane. You are asking me another big winner. You are getting a copy of our VIP Stephen Strogatz's book, The Joy of X. Plus, Stephen will give you your own personal math therapy session <laughs> to help you get over your own specific math anxiety or take your solving techniques to the next level. Congratulations. That's all we have for you today, but you can be a puzzle player anytime, anyplace. Just take us with you by downloading our podcast, or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look around for NPR Ask Me Another. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is John Chinesky. Hey, my name anagrams to Oh Heck Ninjas. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou Jolta Cannon. Our puzzle editor is Art Chung, with additional puzzle writing by Kyle Beakley, Travis Larchuk, Brock Mahan, and Mary Tobler. Ask Me Another is produced by Jesse Baker, Josh Rogeson, John Asante, and Eleanor Kagan, along with Portia Robertson-Migas and Eric Newsom. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Kristen Muller, and David Hurtgen. We'd like to thank The Bell House, Hot Heel Blues, our home in Brooklyn, New York, and the World Science Festival, and our production partner, WNYC. I'm Her Right Begonias, Ophira Eisenberg, and this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Coming up on Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, international chess grandmaster Maurice Ashley shares his game-winning strategy. If they screw up, you go kill them immediately. I feel like I'm talking to a spy half the time, and then I realize we're talking about chess. Join the grandmaster and me, Ophira Eisenberg, next time on Ask Me Another, NPR's guiltiest and most puzzling pleasure. <laughs>